said, give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. What up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. It is a Thursday evening when we record this. Uh, John LaRocca is with me tonight. And we're going to go through kind of just a myriad of topics. The shows that John and I have done in the past have been either based on, you know, the G1 or um, the uh, just a pay-per-view recap of a wrestling show. And we're just kind of going to go, you know, sort of potpourri. We're going to go with whatever the news is is talking about, some of the main topics in the uh, pro wrestling and mixed martial arts and whole co- combat sports and, and all that stuff. Um, but first, this is there's not there, there's one small sort of wrestling uh, relationship here, which is Burt Reynolds passed away today, uh, 82 years old, and the one connection, at least that I can remember that he has is that he was uh, one of the celebrities for uh, WrestleMania 10. Uh, what, what, do you remember that at all? Like, I kind of even forgot about it until someone told me today. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. When, he, when, uh, when I saw the news that he passed away, first thing I thought about was Smoking the Bandit. Mm-hmm. Like, like, my earliest memories of a movie star was Burt Reynolds was that movie. Because I remember getting... The toy set. I had the truck, uh, the Trans Am, which that was my, that's the car I wanted. <laughs> Give it to the kid, and and I then I remembered like, oh yeah, there's a wrestling connection there. He was at a WrestleMania. Yep. And and I don't really remember what he really did. I think he did a couple of backstage segments, but I mean, he came out maybe as a timekeeper or something, ring announcer maybe. I'm yeah, not, I'm not I sure. Think, I think he was the ring announcer. Uh, but the reason why I remember it is because uh, I remember Bert. Okay, I remember Bert for a lot of things. Cannonball Run. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was like oh, yeah. he was like the most. He he was one of the most famous actors. Uh, right, like like even before I started, you know, realizing what was going on with media and you know and pop culture, he was kind of like the it guy. Um, and mm-hmm. then he did like this. Uh, so it was like a nude, like pictorial photo in an ad that I thought was like kind of weird because like he was just this hairy dude in this in this ad, and so that 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 was sort of like a scary memory. But um, as he got a little bit older, and he wasn't like that heartthrob anymore because he was a little you know a little bit older, uh, he did a guest appearance on Jason Priestley's first ever producer role on Beverly Hills 90210. So that was always kind of like in the back of my mind about Burt. And then obviously he did Boogie Nights, which was like a, a kind of a rebirth of his career a little bit. Uh, and then, uh, and then yeah, like, you know, Russell May 10, I think he was the guest ring announcer. And so I posted this photo of Burt and of Ein Ziering. 
in in this episode of 90210 that Jason Priestley uh, uh, directed. I, I think I said produce. He actually directed. It was his first directed episode. And 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 so my friend uh, Carla, who's uh, who's the daughter of uh, the famous cutman Stitch Duran, she and I are you know pretty close to the same age. So pop culture wise, with wrestling and and with the goofy stuff, like we're we're kind of right on the money. So she posts the photo of Burt Reynolds walking down the aisle with none other than Jenny Garth, and I totally forgot about that because Jenny Garth was also. Uh, a celebrity guest right. for WrestleMania 10. I think she was the timekeeper. So, uh, so yeah. So that's why that's why I remembered Bert. Uh, was this during the Yokozuna Luger match? I'm guessing. I'm uh, guessing. Yeah, right? yeah. Or no, maybe no, maybe it was uh, maybe, Hart and Yokozuna. Was it, it was. I think it was the main event. Yeah, it must have. Yeah, it must be. It must be. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, yeah. so yeah. You know that that was uh, you know that was back in the day when you know WWE would bring in. So, you know, sometimes they could get some some pretty uh, top celebrities. Like they got Pamela Anderson. I think it was the year after that. But mostly, you mm-hmm. know, they, they were they were kind of just you know either getting someone who was famous, you know, probably from Vince's generation that he recognized, or someone who was kind of like a uh, uh, hot at that moment. Someone like Jenny Garth, who was on you know nine hundred two and zero, and we're talking you know nineteen. What would that have been? Nineteen ninety four. So yeah, you know that's right in like the the prime of of that show. So yeah, so you know I just thought I was like, wow, you know Burt Reynolds, you know he's kind of a big, a really big celebrity. I, the other thing I didn't realize is uh, he is eighty two, or he he was eighty two before he passed away, and I didn't even realize that he was that old because you never you know, uh, you you remember him. You know, you're talking smoking the bandit. I'm you know I'm thinking sort of Cannonball Run. You just remember him mm-hmm. looking one particular way and he just looks like that for like sort of the rest of his life in your memory so 82 but he was like in black and white films so like you know towards the end of black and white films he appeared in some of those i was looking up his you know filmography and and i i've seen like a lot of his older movies in the 70s like white lightning and, and stuff like that gator like well, i really like those i'm really big into those like 70s uh action flicks you know i like i just like the look of them and the sound of them and the stories are just very simple but but uh yeah so it's uh it's interesting that you know yeah he's like like he's like the first star that i remember as a kid and also remember he had a divorce with lonnie anderson yep. and that was like a big deal a big like topic a big a big i don't know like what you call nowadays like there's no one cares like Celebrities break up all the time, but that mm-hmm. was like a, I mean, that was like the first time I even heard, heard divorce. You know, I didn't really know what it was. So all my friends, you know, parents were together, and I remember that was like a big deal. And, and what's that about? And it sounded so like, so like, oh, so much bad was to happen. And then it kind of hurt his career a little bit, didn't it? I think the divorce actually hurt him a little bit, if I remember correctly. I, I don't really remember that part, but if you want to. Uh, if you want to have like a loose connection with wrestling, uh, Burt Reynolds starred in The Longest Yard, and when Adam mm-hmm. Adam Sandler did his remake to The Longest Yard, he employed a, a bunch of pro wrestlers in it. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin was in it. He had to play the racist guy. Uh, Kevin Nash <laughs> was in it. Uh, wasn't the uh, the great Sapp. the great Khali was in it as well, right? I believe so. Bob Sapp, I know. Um, was Goldberg in it? I think Goldberg was in it. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Goldberg was in it. So, so I uh, loose, saw that in the theater. Loose connection. <laughs> I, I just remember yeah. going like, "Oh my gosh, why does Stone Cold have to play the racist guy?" <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, you know, I I just thought it would be interesting to kick that off because it's you know it's it's still slightly before your generation and my generation, but still it just shows you sort of like the. Uh, how celebrity was different back then, because like you said, he was kind of like the top guy in in pop culture. And uh, I, I also think of like someone like Farrah Fawcett to be his equal from uh, from the side of, of of the female side from of celebrity. Uh, but it, yeah, tough. Uh, it was it was just kind of one of those surprising things when when someone said today, you know, Burt Reynolds died. I was just like, oh my god, like he's just one of those guys that you sort of just figured would just be around forever. So. So let's uh, let's actually move on to talk a, a little bit about some uh, some wrestling. Um, we're going to cover the May Young Classic, and I think we'll just sort of do that weekly. Uh, part of the reason is, uh, you know, one of the things that John's really good at uh, is is he's John has a really good eye for for young talent, um, for you know finding people before they actually kind of like you know break through. And, you know, the Mae Young Classic features a lot of folks who, you know, if you really, really follow the women's independent wrestling scene, like you probably know the majority of these women. But I think to most people uh, who are watching this show, you know, the, most of these women they're going to see for the first time now, you know, they're going to be some that you've seen before. Tony Storm was on in the Mae Young Classic last year. She's kind of a big star uh, on the women's wrestling scene. Rhea Ripley was as well. And there's some Japanese uh, women wrestlers in this in this tournament that you know if you if you kind of are keeping an eye on it you know who they are. But um, but before we get to that because I think that's it's really one of uh, John's sweet spots when it comes to uh, pro wrestling is is just you know scouting and 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 knowing you know people who break before they break. Uh, before we get to that, I, I kind of wanted to follow up on a conversation that we had uh, at the end of last week. We reviewed All In. And, uh, you know, we both I think we both thought it was a good show, but, you know, there were there were things about it that were kind of interesting. And, you know, now there's more news coming out of that show uh, of just kind of like, you know, we, we were kind of wondering, you know, what happened? Why did they have to you know, why, why did Okada and Marty Skrull go so long and, and stuff? So I think there's some news around all in that I, that I want to go over. And uh, the first thing it is about Okada and Marty Skrull. The uh, when we were talking, I believe the story was simply that, you know, that that, you know, people were calling for them to go home and, and, and they didn't you know, they didn't really think about it. But then Marty Skrull came out, uh, I think it was yesterday and said that he uh, he was told that he shouldn't cut any time out of his match and that he only went over by one minute now. I think uh, most of the folks involved were kind of like, ah, you know, they probably went almost twice as long as they were supposed to. It ended up being a much better match because of it. But uh, I kind of find it interesting that Marty is taking all the heat. Uh, Is it because Okada is kind of like the king and, you know, you don't want to you're not you're not going to throw shots at him. And so Marty's just kind of the guy because he's linked to the all in show. Like, why do you think everyone is just uh, kind of taking shots at Marty and giving him all the blame for this? I don't know why. I think it's. I think it's. It's. It's bullshit, really. I mean, who should get the heat? Whoever was producing that show and the producing that show were was the Bucks and Cody. I mean, they there's the there's the one that should have. I mean, they should have 
put regulations on who's you know whoever's doing the production of the show should have you know really put on the referee referee got to get in there and tell them, hey you guys gotta go home now you know and, and and they didn't do it, and I don't know what happened there, but he, you know, Scroll said that he got the okay from Nick Jackson, and that to go as long as don't cut anything out, and to do their whole match. But I mean, that's just that's just irresponsible, you know. Like if they should totally go home, it should go home. I, I I don't think it's I I think that's pretty unprofessional, especially when there's so much on the line, you know. Like how embarrassing would it be if that six man tag was going on and pay per view cut out? I mean. I mean, it would have been a successful show financially, but at the same time, people would have been just talking about that, right? And that could, you know, kill the buzz of that pay-per-view. But luckily, they went off the air, like, what, just 30 seconds before the end of the pay-per-view? And, uh, but in the end, though, really, like, that six-man tag went, like, 11 minutes, almost 12 minutes. But that's, like, a perfect length of that style match, you know? Like, hearing that they were supposed to go like 30 minutes for that style of match, I think I would be like bored like halfway through because you just see a billion moves, you know, like unless they were going to start at a little slower pace, they maybe they were going to do that, but but I think uh, that style that the Bucks do is exciting, but I think it's better when it's condensed down to like just 15 minutes. So, so, so I think 12 so, minutes is fine. So that, that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you next, which is um, I agree with you about that match because I thought it was like the most fluid, high spot lucha style six way that I've ever seen. Like I think they there was like one thing that I had an issue with in the entire match, but it was like flowed mm-hmm. so well. But then uh, uh, Big Dave on today's uh, Wrestling Observer Radio, he thought that if they got the uh, the right amount of time. That it would have been one of the best matches of the year, and I, I, my thought was, I almost think like it was better that way because it was just like like there was an urgency and there was a rush, and they just showed like they could freaking you know they they they, they didn't have to you know utilize uh, all the time and and in a time crunch they were like okay let's figure this thing out it was almost like not 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 saying that they had to like call it in the ring or anything but like they had to make some adjustments and improvise uh inside the ring and i thought i thought they did a great job yeah because i think the uh, finish was supposed to be the bank for the buck but then phoenix booked the count so they had to call an audible and do the melted drivers for the finish right Mm-hmm. I think that's the story, and uh, that's pretty. I mean, like I know they cut so much out, and you and it's amazing they're still able to pull off all that, all those spots because those spots are pretty difficult in the timing. And I know they go over in the back over and over and over again, like constantly. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of keep going over, keep back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like the whole like as the other shows going on. You usually. Those kind of matches are usually done. It's almost annoying. So when I watch in the back, I keep going with matches like Jesus. <laughs> There's a guy that I can give his name, but like, I mean, I had to sit there and I had to remember everything for my tag team. You know, yeah. because they didn't want they didn't like, oh, this is horrible. Like, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So like, they were like, after like the fifth time of going over it, they're like, John, you have to sit in and listen because we're gonna go over here and just hang out. And I was like, <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> But that was my job. I was the manager. Right? I got to take care of them. Yeah, and so it was like, it was like, yeah, they're still doing, yeah, the same spots we they talked about in the first time we ran over this. Yep, same thing, same yep, thing, same yep, thing, same yep. thing. It was just like, 
It was just silly, but uh, but yeah, awesome. so like what they cut out and had her memorize everything. I don't know this, but the Bucks are you know they're, they're the they're amazing at that style. Yeah, they're the best at that style, actually. So, yeah, I mean, and and like I said when we talked about this last week, it's like that match. That's what you expect in that match, right? You you don't want you don't want like rest holds and slow build and all that stuff for those in a six man tag like that with those kind of guys, you want the crazy action, the high flying and the big spots. That's what the crowd wanted there. And that's why, that's what I expected to happen. And it did. And it was fun. And, but I really liked, uh, my favorite match was the Cotta scroll. That's my, that's my, that's my style. Wrestling, yeah. Right. Yeah. I like, so, and, it, and I thought that was definitely the best match of the night. And, um, and all in all, you know, it all worked out and it was, a. Uh, it was a uh, you know a, a really good pay per view. I I was interested in reading uh, the Observer's review of the matches that today on the Observer when the Observer dropped it. I kind of had issues with some of the match ratings, but you know that's just my opinion. Uh, the uh, do you have any stories of you know you you talked a little bit about uh, Billy Gunn and, and Road Dog you know being at a show one time. Um, have there been? And I guess it would have to be a little bit more recent because that that's the style now. But have you ever had an issue, had a situation in the back where you know you you uh, maybe in a more older school tag team was booked, and you know they're trying to work with these guys who want to put together the match, you know, move for move, and they're just like, "Come on, guys! Like, you know, we can, we can do this in the ring." Like, have you had those situations in the past? Uh, just booking APW. Oh, it wasn't just a. It was. This wasn't a tag team story, but it was Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> Kamala versus Billy Blade. Billy Blade's. Uh, uh, he's a promoter, uh, wrestler, uh, all around. He's a Billy's a really good guy, and you know he's a hustler, and he has his own. Like now, he he does his own. He still has a promotion called Venom Pro. They don't really run as much, but he does. He books midget wrestling at bars now and stuff, but. Uh, but Billy was, you know, that that kind of wrestler that liked to call it in the back, you know, and um, this, and I remember the match was Kamala versus Billy Blade, which was hilarious. <laughs> Just the fact that this was booked. It was at Kizar, and it was 2000, 2006, 2006, I believe, and I was Kim Chi. Oh, wow. Actually. Yeah, so I got to manage Kamala's kimchi, and I remember, like, you know, had a, you know, they, I think we got the, the, one of the promoters in the area had, like, the gimmick, and then so I got to borrow, I had to go, I went and bought, like, a, like, a jacket, and these, you know, camo shorts, and I had the boots, you know, <laughs> and, and, and awesome. Kamala comes in the back, and he's like, you know, like he's, have you seen Kamala's interviews? Like, as out of character, he was like, hey, y'all's a going, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. like a really, really nice, like, little bear. And, and I popped him, actually, because I was sitting there and getting to know him. And he was kind of like, you know, he was just relaxing. And I was like, oh, hey, um, I saw footage of you when you were wrestling in Memphis as, like, uh, a biker guy or, you know, you get a mohawk. He's like, where you seen that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I have footage of it. You know, because I, you know, I had lost, I had oh, a lot takes. of footage. So do no, actually, I had a DVD of it. But like, he was like, and then he was like, oh man, he's like, that's great. So I kind of like popped him with that. So we kind of bonded. And then so I remember <laughs> it was time to go over the talk about the match with Billy Blade, and it, it was it was freaking simple, dude. Like literally, it's Kamala, right? Like what 
Yeah, what, what do you, you do? do like, like, there's like only a couple things. Like, you you get really scared, and then he's chasing you, and then you're gonna yeah. take like a big splash, and like that's it. Yeah. So Billy starts calling the Hawk and wants to talk about the finish of this match. And the finish, we all know the finish. It's a big splash, mm-hmm. right? That's the finish. Well, actually, it was not the finish because the finish was even, was dumb. It was booked by uh, Jason Dedrich. Jason Dedrich was actually the book of the show. I don't think Gabe Ramirez really booked that one, but. Jason Dedrich, who was Chulis's husband, who's the you know is the dumbest booker I ever worked for in my life. He's a, he's a fucking idiot when it comes to wrestling. And um, shots fired. <laughs> he just he just wasn't good at booker. He just wasn't good. That wasn't his forte. I think business he's great at, but like when it came to booking wrestling, he just you know it was just all like pure masturbation stuff for his own amusement. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. like for the crowd, you know. So so like the finish was actually. Kamala, Kamala would, Kamala. I don't know. Billy Blade would actually cover Kamala, and I would jump in and and attack Billy Blade, and then for disqualification, and then but then I'd be upset at Kamala because he lost a match, and then Kamala would give me the big chop and the in the in the splash, right? Mm-hmm. Anyways, like it's so stupid. Like why are you booking Kamala? Just have him splash Billy Blade and win the match. Yeah, right? like there's. It's just dumb, it's just stupid. But I think, that, like, like I said, like they, like Jason, like because Jason Dedrick was a manager at APW, like every show they bumped him. Every show Michael Mons would give him the Death Valley Driver or some bump. So he figured, like me as a manager, like I had to do the same thing. Right. But Roland was like, no, John's not going to bump until it means something, right? Right. But I'm Kim Chi. No one knows I'm fucking John Laraka, the manager ego. I'm just doing this shit with. Kamala. Anyway, so I'm sorry. So let me get back to the finish. So Billy Blade's like, <laughs> he's like, so I'm gonna give you three super kicks. <laughs> y- you rock back. <laughs> so a- after the third one, you bump, and he goes, Kamala goes, a super what? <laughs> uh, and Billy kind of gets nervous, right? And he goes, he goes, he goes, he goes you know, a uh, uh, super kick, like you know, Shawn Michaels super kick. He goes, oh yeah, I know the super kick, but what did you say the finish was? He's like, he's like, I give you a super kick, you stumble, a super kick again, you stumble, and a third one you bump. And he's like, oh okay, like okay, like duh, you know, like, <laughs> stupid. And then and then so like Billy would go over like a couple times with him. He's like, he and I was like, dude, I think he got it, man. Like, I kind of like kind of said something finally. You know, Billy's Billy's heart's in the right place. Let's, let's I mean. Honestly, Billy's heart's in the right place. It's just the way he his mind works for wrestling, right? Right, right. But fuck, dude, it's Kamala. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's fuck. And so, and then but Kamala had one thing he did not want to do. He's like, "Don't whip me from rope to rope because I have a bad knee." Right? Yeah, yeah. So we get out there, and I'm doing my kimchi impression. And I actually looked at my friend Caitlin, who was in the audience, and I make eye contact with her. I have a mask on. She's like, "Oh my god!" Because <laughs> my walk and everything was just funny. And so, <laughs> so Billy, he whips him from like corner to corner. <laughs> oh god! And Kamala goes with it, but it looks like a goofball, like like stumbling to the corner. Yeah. And then we do the day. Then we do the deal where you know. I run in, hit hit uh, Billy with the uh, the um, the hat, 
Kim Chi's hat causes disqualification. Kamala runs out Billy Blade, but then I'm mad at Kamala because, you know, he lost the match, even though it was my fault. It just made no, absolutely no sense. Yeah. And I just remember, like, telling Kamala, like, I'm like, you messed up, Kamala. He's like, oh, no, what do I do? Like, he's, like, in like in the ring. Like, no one can really hear us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And I'm like, and, I, and I'm like, you, you know, how much that cost you, boss? I'm like, you messed my ten dollar payoff. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, and he's like, oh no, ten dollars. And like after he said that, like he goes into like his wild man, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. routine. Hits his belly, gives me the big chop on the head. I roll to my stomach because you know, so you know, the splash. He does a splash. I don't feel a thing, man. I, I'm like, oh my god, I almost forgot to sell it. Yeah, <laughs> it was so, it was so light, you know. And then, and I remember walking to the back and get to the back and Kamala's like kind of sitting down and his feet, cause his feet really bad then, you know, too. And, um, and he was like, man, I think that boy fucked up a spot. I told him not to whip me across the ring. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, I can't even imagine, like, obviously I'm not, I'm not a wrestler. I've never even thought about what you would do in the ring with, but like, it seems like a match with Kamala. I'm just like, oh. Okay, I know I know what I'm gonna do here. Like he's just gonna splash me or whatever. But uh, no, I mean it, that's that's hilarious. Um, Only APW in 2002 to 2008 wacky booking. It doesn't make sense. Like you book Kamala, just have him splash someone. One, two, three, big big deal. You know exactly. Like, and and like the thing about Kamala and, and like let's not even talk about like I mean there there's the the stuff with you know, with Lawler, but he was like Hogan's like top drawing guy for house shows for, you know, whatever that, that year was that he was in WWF for that, that time. He was like the guy who, who Hogan could actually draw with. And like, you're hitting him with three super kicks. It's like, do you like, don't you know who this guy is? Like he's actually drawn real money. So interesting. I just never, I'll never forget that, that insane a super what? <laughs> that was one of my all-time favorite stories to tell for like years and years. It still, it still, still entertains the goo. I mean, we laughed about that one for God. We still laugh about it now, man. I know Tom. If Tom Castro's listening, you know, I'm sure he will. He'll just be dying because we <laughs> we just couldn't believe it. <laughs> Calling spots with Kamala. My goodness. Shout out to Tom, by the way. I I, I love following yeah. Tom on Facebook because he'll post like these, you know, uh, these photos from you know several years ago where you know he's like, ah, you know, I'm so uh, I'm so happy to be in the ring with these two guys. Like he's he's such a huge fan, and he's always you know paying his respects to to all you know to different guys, even though like. You know, as someone who's refereeing for NXT, like he's actually in a really, a really good place. But he, he, he's always giving props to like all these other people. So he's he's such a cool follow on Facebook. Yeah, definitely. Tom's Tom's the best, and he's doing really well, man. It's it's, it's awesome seeing his living his dream, and it's going to go on and on, and it's he's going to have a great career in WWE for sure. See him in, we'll see him in WWE at some point. Um, for sure. So, so just to kind of get back to all in a couple, couple other things. Uh, the the WGN rating came out, and they they did just under two million viewers. 
I, th- I think that's probably the number I would have expected because I was just thinking like, you know, how many YouTube, you know, views do they get on their on their being the elite show? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you know, like and, and you know, WGN, the thing that I realized and I don't I don't know if you uh, if you knew or not, uh, but I was just like, where is WGN like on this cable system or on, you know, on DirecTV? Like I had no idea. And, um, and, and I, I did have to look, I was like, I had to search to find WGN and I really wonder, you know, who watches that channel. So, you know, I, I think there's to some level being on WGN, uh, was a, a little bit of a, a, kind of a gift and a curse. Uh, they, they did a, they did a number that W for, for WGN was really good, but at the same time, it was kind of like, I think people just missed it a, because either their cable system didn't have it or, they just didn't know what the hell WGN was like, uh, you know, back in the day when when cable first w- was uh, in its uh, in its adolescent years, I used to love WGN because I'd come home from school and when I'd get home, like Lee Smith is on the mound in the ninth inning closing out a Cubs yeah. game. And I'm like, oh, my God, baseball's on TV. Like, so historically, like WGN means a lot to me. But today, like... I, I don't know, like it's it's kind of like a, uh, a, a I don't know, I wouldn't say a dying network, but it's definitely not one of the most uh, popular networks. Like I don't know how many great shows no. they have or whatever, but uh, but no, so, they have some some original content on there, but most of it's just like reruns of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so no one's really like searching out WGN. I think you know, yeah, yeah, and, I, and well, that rating was what it what it was. I, I expected that rating too. I mean, I was kind of. Hoping they would do something bigger, but like, 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 I don't think it's really gonna like excite the the TV industry. Like, oh, we gotta you know start a promotion with these guys just because of that rating. But man, that's kind of just came and went when it comes to the rating part, at least. And, and you know, we we could play Monday Morning Quarterback, like I mentioned in the uh, in our recap of All In from uh, from last uh, last uh, last weekend. But I think the only misstep was working with WGN. And it's not because, uh, you know, of anything other than I just don't think that that it was the best way to find uh, a, a slightly more casual fan base than than they found. Um, you know, even uh, you know, working maybe even working with like uh, access, which you know the 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 audience would have would have been half. But I I almost feel like they would have treated it like uh, like a a really big deal. Right. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they didn't have a lot of opportunity, you know, people kind of want to, you know, they, they kind of want to test drive this thing that they, they want to see someone else take a shot at, at these guys who have never done, you know, have never done this before, but I feel like WGN may have been the wrong thing. Um, and you know, another net, another cable network would have been a bigger play for them and it would have been more impressive, but you know, I, they were really like picking nits because other than that, like the whole thing was, was such a, uh, such a success. The, if, if you are a fan of being the elite, you have already seen the show, but I've seen about half of it. It's probably the, one of the more, uh, one of the least entertaining being the elite shows. Cause it's just like, it just shows them kind of just putting the show together and it's not glamorous it's really kind of uh, and Ma- i think uh matt jackson says this a couple times like diy like you watch these guys going to the to the target 
and buying like just you know bundles and bundles and bundles of water and you know they're like buying protein bars for the guys in the back and uh and monster rehab drinks for the guys in the back it it was really impressive to me because a lot of people who who want to dismiss the show or like oh you know ROH you know gave them x y and z and i'm watching this being the elite going like these guys really did like put the show together in a way that I would put together like a banquet for my little league baseball team. Like you're just kind of hustling really hard. And, mm. and, and I was really impressed with that because, you know, they put their money and then they put their blood, sweat and tears into this one event and to see it be as successful as it was like kudos to those guys. Like, you know, it, it was one of the more impressive things uh, that I, that I've seen in, in wrestling because, you know that the, they did it their way. You know, not not to kind of do the Frank Sinatra song, but like they did, like they really did it their way, and uh, and just you know I, that's the thing that was most impressive to me. I think out of this whole thing, even more impressive than you know the show, which you know the five hour show or whatever, which you know me, you, and the Heartbreak Kid, you know we kind of hung out and enjoyed it, and probably enjoyed it more than most WWE shows. But just the fact that they that they did it the way that they wanted to, and and that like it was just it was just really impressive to see. Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I, I at this point they didn't have catering. What's going on? Come on, all in. Well, well, they did. They did so, have Cracker Barrel in the back, but, uh, uh, but okay, I think they okay. had to go pick up the food, like, and then bring it to the arena or something <laughs> like that. So. Uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. There's so much. There's so much that you, you think you're prepared. Like when you're ready for your show, you think you're prepared, and it's always like you always forget two or three more things. Like, damn it, you know what I mean? Like, and you're now you're running to a store to pick up tape or something. It, yeah. it, it never failed. I mean, you know, on the small scale, the shows I promoted, it was always something. Like I figure, like I, every night before, you think you have everything together, and all of a sudden, there's something you need to grab. Just, it's just the way it is. And, and, you know, the thing that I think about is, you know, you, uh, you know, we can go back a couple of years to your premiere shows. And this is even before you had your daughter. Uh, your wife is like at the at, at the, you know, at the front taking tickets. Right. Like it, it's a family thing. Like you get everyone involved. Same with the Young Bucks. Like uh, uh, Matt's wife is uh, is helping. You know, she's kind of running things in the back. She's hustling hard. And and uh, that's what it reminded me of was like. Gosh, I remember when John, you know, was running Premiere and, you know, his wife was helping him and his friends were helping him. And it was like not because, you know, I'm sure you 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 pinched him off a couple a couple of bucks here and there, but they didn't do that. They did it because a they 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 like you obviously, but because it's like the love of the game kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's what it was, you know, we're just kind of helped out where they can and I, I appreciate everyone that helped out with the premiere shows and the, the from big to small. It's like it all it all helped out. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm still down. It's like interesting to see what those guys are going to do next. They're just waiting to hear. But I think right now they're just probably just resting up. And, and uh, you know, because that was a, that was a big win and a big you know big thing. Is it's a pretty it's pretty impressive and financially successful. And you can't really knock it. Can't really knock it. it it's but now what happens next? Anyone guess, and it's gonna be interesting. Like I said, we always talk about end of January or end of December, wherever their contracts are up. It's it's the it's gonna be an interesting game when it comes to like what WWE's gonna do and 
what they're going to, you know, try to get get those guys because you know, I'm sure they want to take something away from that MSG show and and perform WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and and you're right. The story is to be told uh, over the next uh, until the end of the year. Like this is going to be an interesting la- uh, last uh, few months of the year. So let's actually talk about the May Young Classic. Uh, I think last year's uh, May Young Classic. They they did it a little bit differently. The WWE Network like put up all of the episodes, or maybe all the first round episodes, like immediately, and then you know you could kind of watch all of them at, at your leisure. But they're doing more of a week by week availability schedule here. And so the first week was put up after NXT on Wednesday night. So I got to watch. Uh, we both got to watch week one last night. Uh, in in lieu of you know doing the show, um, it it was I feel like and and we we'll go over all the matches. There's only four, so it's it's not it's not much. But I guess I, after last year's May Young Classic, uh, compared to the Cruiserweight Classic, I thought it was not as good. Obviously, the wrestling was not as good. So I expected them to maybe make a few changes with the production or, you know, maybe uh, change it up a little bit. And it was it feels like exactly the same. So they're they're basically doing exactly what they did last year. Um, and and it was I, I would say if you liked last year's Mayan Classic, just from everything, the way that they did it, the presentation uh, outside of Renee Young and Beth Phoenix being uh, being being the announcers with Michael Cole, like the announce seems definitely different. It, last year it was Jr. and and Lita, and uh, from what I understand, you know Jr. Uh, you know he had to he had to figure out how to work with someone who had never done TV before, and that was probably a little difficult for him. But uh, you know Cole and 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 Renee Young and and Beth Phoenix. They they were they were fine. I like hearing Renee Young. I, I don't know if Beth Phoenix added a, a whole lot, but other than that, other than the than than the play by play and the and the broadcast commentary, it was pretty much the same presentation. So if you enjoyed last year's, I think you know you're kind of getting a lot of the same with different wrestlers. But I, I kind of wanted them to spice it up a little bit. I wanted them to do a little bit a slightly different presentation to make it feel a little bit more special. But we didn't get that. Like, what? What was your thoughts just on the whole production of the whole thing? Um, as production, I thought, yeah, like it looked the same. Um, other than some of the graphics were a little different um, from the backstage, like shots of the ladies, which I thought was really cool what they did there. But for the most part, it was the same. You know, introduction of the of the wrestler, a little backstory. Uh, as that full sail, same colors, the blue, like nothing was different there. Yeah. Uh, there might've been some slight tweaks that maybe we don't even remember, but uh, nothing that really stands out. Um, I do miss Jim Ross though, because I mean, Michael Cole was really good, but like, like adding, cause like we hear, we hear Michael Cole every Monday. Right. And then we hear him on every pay-per-view. With these special events, like the May Young and Cruiserweight Classics, et cetera. Like, I think it's cool to have, a different voice in there to make, just make it different than yeah. what we normally see weekly. And I thought, I really miss Jim Ross and I thought Ray young, uh, Renee young was, was really good. Um, she had a lot of energy and a lot of fire and a lot more of that casual viewer watching kind mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. like commentary and like, not in like a, like a, 
annoying way, like, oh, this person shouldn't be doing it. Like, I just kind of, like, felt like she was really the voice of the people and of the women, like, obviously. So, like, I thought that was really cool. Beth Phoenix, I just, I don't think she added much. I mean, honestly, she kind of sounds similar to Renee Young a little bit. Yeah. You know, so, like, at times I couldn't figure out which one was really talking. But uh, I think it's best if they would just take Beth out and um, and just have Renee Young and and Michael Cole. But I, I prefer I mean, Jim Ross and, and Renee Young. I think that would be a fantastic uh, commentary team for this turn for this tournament. Um, but other than that, like yeah, like it was same as last year basically. But like, no, the, yeah, I will say though, like just from this first episode, I feel like the wrestling's already better than last year's for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. Like they definitely added better wrestlers uh to to the to the the group of uh is there 32 women 32 yeah uh yeah the the wrestling was was much better on day one though again like i i felt like you have like these you know let, let's even talk about rhea ripley right like because she was on last year's you i know you were really high on her last year and i i thought she was she's just different she's tall she's got long legs she's young she's got energy she stands out and uh and and like i just i don't know i felt like okay like we we, we Rhea Ripley's changed you know she had a a small interview saying you know last year she was embarrassed and this year she's she's back you know to to win it all or whatever but still, like the presentation was so similar that I was just like, "Oh, it's just Rhea Ripley with more aggression." Like I, I, I really wish there would have been something else. Like the, not even it didn't even have to be really angles, but you know, it would have been cool. Like, like, like she, she, uh, you know, we could actually talk about the match. Like she beats MJ Jenkins, right? And mm. it would have been great to see her. She hits her pump handle power bomb to win, and. I would have loved to see her like boot MJ out of the ring and just just like show a little bit more aggression. I know they're kind of doing like the you know the handshake thing and then the respect thing, but like for someone like Rhea Ripley and you're really pushing her aggression and you're showing that she's much different from last year and she's like put on some weight, she's put on some muscle, she like looks uh, a little bit different, she's a heel, and then it just like okay on to the next match. You know, yeah. Well, they're cramming four matches an hour, right? So it's probably why they're just. It seems like it's going, it's going fast in the next segment, and just the nature of the beast. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It would be cool if they did something different. Maybe a little bit, instead of like a backstage interview with Natalia. Maybe maybe like a backstage interview before their match. Or maybe like one of the matches, like say for example the main event that night, right? The last match of the night. Maybe you have a, a special backstage interview with those two competitors or something like that. I don't know. Just kind of something to change it up a little bit. But you're right. They did, They definitely need to change the production if they do this again you know, next year. I would like to see something different. Or, uh, but, you know, the building's fine. I think full sale is a perfect place for this kind of tournament, though. You know, smaller yeah. setting, internet setting for this. But, uh, yeah, I changed the color or changed something, you know, for sure. Yeah, it almost feels like they're trying to do sport, and this company doesn't really do sport that well. But what they do well is angles and production and making things bigger than life. And then they just don't do that stuff for this show. So I, I, I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. But I almost feel like you know they're they're trying to highlight the things that they don't really do well. But let, let's let's go through Maybe. the show. Go ahead. 
I was saying maybe maybe because the first round they don't have the trophy out there. At least I didn't notice it. But I remember last year I just kept rolling my eyes every time. Every girl had to look at that damn trophy. <laughs> like, I was like, it's, it's a WWE thing, you know. It's the same thing with the WrestleMania sign, right? During WrestleMania season, it's just one of those things that kind of always makes me roll my eyes. Like, <laughs> that wasn't really good out there looking at the trophy, you know? Like, yeah, it's exactly. just yeah, it's just 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 overproduced production, goofy stuff. But that's wrestling. So the first match uh, was Tegan Knox against uh, Zatara. And the interesting thing about this match is um, right out of the gate, Michael Cole is like, this is my pick. She's going to win. Um, and and he's almost, uh, you know, he, he's, he's almost telling us, like, you know, she's, she's going to go far, which is fine. Like, I think I think he should highlight the women who, you know, we're going to see because it's pre-taped and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure he knew that Tegan was going to do really well in this tournament. So I, I totally like that part. Um, maybe, you know, maybe went a little hard on it, but the, uh, the, and, and we know what happens with Tegan, right? Like, I think most people who are following this tournament know that, you know, she, she got hurt in, in one of the matches and, and it's, uh, I think you even said, on one of the past episodes that we did that uh, she was that you, that you think she was actually supposed to win this thing. So she hurts the, she hurts her, uh, her left leg, I think in, in one of the future matches, but she's already wearing a big brace on this, uh, on her right knee for this show. And, uh, and, and Zatara works on the knee. But the problem is, is that Tegan Knox's finisher is a, um, is a shining wizard with her hurt knee that is constantly being worked on. So she sells the knee, sells the knee, sells the knee, but then it's her finisher. And you know that you have to do your finisher to win every match. So she kind of has to stop selling the knee and then, and then, and then beat Zatara with her finisher. I, I mean, I think Tegan Knox is, you know, she looked really good uh, with Cole selling her. I think she came off even more of, of like a, you know, of like a superstar in a sense, but I, you know, other than that little small sort of psychology thing that I'm sure a lot of people, you know, thought about when they watched this match, um, she she looked good. Did did you have any thoughts on her? And also, you know, what do you think after watching match one? If the idea was for her to win this whole tournament, like like, do you think that would have been a good pick? Uh, well, I mean, it's been reported that you know she was the one I was supposed to win. I mean, I read I read that reports, um, and. And I think you know, from the story they're telling, with you know her missing last year's tournament because of the knee injury, and I th- in WWE, you know, it's all about storytelling. Yeah. And what a what a, what a better story than a girl being it was out of the May Young Classic last year. She got hurt. She was supposed to be one of the favorites to win last year's, and then now she's making a comeback and she's in this tournament. and She goes on and wins the whole thing. So I think that's like a perfect story that WWE wants to tell. So it kind of makes sense that. Tegan would be the the one they were picking to win, but unfortunately she gets hurt. And I think it's the next round, actually, I believe she gets hurt. Um, I think I believe so. Actually, yeah, I think it is the quarterfinal. She gets she gets hurt. Um, so, but she looked really good. I mean, I, I mean, she has like something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, she kind of her personality stood back. She seemed like a a girl that the fans can get behind. Um, she seemed like that classic baby face. Uh, I thought the match was pretty good. I liked, I liked the story they told of the uh, uh, Zata- Zata- was it Zatara, right? Zatara. Mm-hmm. 
working on the, the injured knee or the, you know, her previously injured knee and working on it with submission holds. Um, I know she does the shining wizard, the shiniest wizards of them all. Right. So they're calling it, <laughs> but like, but, um, I thought she did well when she hit it. She kept selling the knee. Um, I thought that looked, I thought, that, I thought, I thought that was fine. I thought that, I, like, I like the story. It's a very simple story and that's what these opening rounds are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good little match. So, uh, so we talked about Rhea Ripley a little bit and I, I just, you know, I want to give you the, the opportunity to talk about, you know, why you, you like her so much, obviously, you know, being someone who, who books wrestling, you have an eye for talent. You also have an eye for young talent. She's 21. Um, so mm-hmm. what, do, what do you think about Rhea? Like, do you, I, th- I think you think that she's the goods and that she has the opportunity to be a, a pretty big star. Uh, what is it that you really like about her? She just has that it factor, man. Like she's, I mean, she's has the athletic background. Uh, when I first saw her last year, the tournament, I really was like, wow, this girl's going to be something. Like right away, I had this vision, like her and Bianca Blair, like leading the NXT women division and, and also eventually into the main roster, right? Yeah. Um, I just think those two are going to be phenomenal then i started seeing reports that she's you know working as a heel and i was like wow a heel she seems like such a classic baby face so this right. is actually the first time i got to see her with this new aggressive character and i freaking love it like she's i mean she's a character 100 from her promo that she did that little little segment with her promo all the way down to her entrance and in the ring she was so aggressive she put on muscle she looks good. She's still really athletic, and it was pretty interesting that Michael Cole made reference to like people were calling her like comparisons to Charlotte, and that's, yeah. you know it's just like it was natural last year to kind of do that because she's tall like Charlotte, athletic like Charlotte. But man, you know, like I really think if WWE really really focused on the women, I mean, they do they do focus on women, but like they really kept it to building these really big matches. Like I think Rhea Ripley would be, is definitely going to be in the mix in a couple of years. I mean, she is, she looked good out there. Really good. And MJ Jenkins, I thought looked pretty good. I liked her personality. She had a lot of, a real fun personality. I kind of dig that her vibe. And, uh, and I also thought it was a pretty good match too. Like with the layout and everything. And just, uh, but what stood out, Rhea, Rhea was just, was awesome. That drop kick in like in the corner, when uh, MJ was going to try to make a move, and she just drop kicks her a nice, beautiful drop kick, and then like just like when she covered her, like when she covered her for the pin, like just the attitude, yeah. Like I was like, oh man, dude, this is <laughs> she is money, and I loved it. I'm like, like last year, I was like, oh man, I, I thought she was like this is one I wanted to love to like take take over and and build up and book. And now, man, she's doing good. And then, you know, she must have impressed someone because, uh, you know, she became the UK NXT champion. So that was pretty cool. So I can't wait to see how she did in that tournament, too. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm assuming that she will be on the Evolution pay-per-view if they, if they have her defend that UK championship, uh, which I think, I think they are going to have her because that will be her, her biggest exposure so far being on that Evolution pay-per-view. Yeah, and I can't wait to. And I'm so happy for her to get this opportunity because, like I said, I think she, I think she's money. Her versus Charlotte's money. Her versus 
uh, Sasha's money and her versus Bianca could be like their, you know, like like Charlotte and Sasha. It could mm-hmm. be Bianca and and and, and Rhea, but but I don't think, but they're both great heels. So I don't know who who's gonna add in the mix there, but uh, but yeah, I'm pretty. Pretty excited about her. Really excited about her. I'm looking forward to watching her career to keep keep developing and and like just think of last year. Like from now, I mean, it's a big difference yeah. in her ring work and totally. her confidence in there. And you know, a lot of people like kind of like bag on the performance center a little bit. Like I see, like oh, you know, like why is like New Japan guys so much more developed? Right. Blah, but like I mean, here's a perfect example of like the performance center developing. Raw talent and a great athlete in Rhea Ripley, who was a, uh, a top level soccer player, right? And now, and look at her last year, she was very green, but you saw the potential. And now look at her now, like I feel like she's she's definitely a, a year or two away from being a big money player, you know, in my opinion. So, no, I I, I agree, and uh, I was kind of like wondering why isn't she on NXT? Why isn't she on NXT? And it, it seems like because they really wanted her to, you know, work that house show loop to get that character right. And this is kind of like her, uh, you know, her re-entrance into, into people's minds so that – and I, I, I'm assuming that with her being NXT UK champion um, and, you know, I, I think she does really well in this tournament – I imagine she'll be a focal point on on their TV upcoming, so that'll be kind of cool to see too. Yeah, I mean, like just because they're not on the NXT TV doesn't mean it's a negative. I mean, I know that the talent probably wants to be on the TV, but at the same time, like they can take their time and develop their character, work the house shows, work the crowd, and then and you know whatever they do in the performance center, you know they 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 do their, you know, whatever they do, they're getting ready. And like, once they are on TV, like they're just throwing them out there when they're not ready. Well, now that they, now that she is fully ready to be on NXT, like every week, I mean, she's going to kill it. Yeah. I'm looking for, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Rhea Ripley. As you can <laughs> <laughs> so the third match was Lacey Lane against Vanessa Craven. And it was a size mismatch. Lacey Lane, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, may, may have even been a foot shorter than Vanessa Craven, who, was probably about six feet tall. Uh, and uh, Lacey Lane, the thing that cracked me up was in, in the beginning of, of her, uh, in her video package, she talked a little bit about working strong style. And then when you watch her wrestle, I was like, it's more, she has more of like a lucha indie style. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of her, her style. I was like, I was kind of wondering like why she mentioned the strong style thing. But um, I think she's like a fun little underdog. Like she, you know, she has a fun style. Now there were some instances of where you could tell she was like really thinking about like what the next thing to do was and, and it maybe not have been, you know, super smooth, but the crowd got into her and it was, uh, it, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Like it was funny because they showed Leo rush right before her match and uh, and she kind of is like a, a Leo Rush for for the women, like a little small and athletic. She's a basketball player uh, in her uh, in college, very you know, just kind of just a really good athlete. So I thought I thought it was a, a cool little underdog story. Um, and and Craven played the you know the 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 bruiser who who was going to lose. Uh, I thought it was, it was kind of cool. It wasn't like you know it wasn't it was maybe the the one match that was kind of you know maybe the the least match that, or the last match that you thought about of the four. But uh, but I thought you know I thought their their little mismatch thing worked. Yeah, this match actually 
just really took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting much. And right when I saw Lucy Lane, rather bad, didn't like the name. Yeah. I think that name's a bad name. I think she should change that somehow or drop Lane or Lucy. I don't know what she could do. But also, too, like she looks like Ember Moon. Little so bit, yeah. A little thought. bit. Like I thought, like that kind of like stood out to me. Like you already kind of have Ember Moon who does like the contacts and has that kind of that, that vibe. So, but, but when the bell rang, I was like, pleasant surprise. You know, I liked her speed. I liked the story of the, the big woman versus the, the little woman. And I thought they told a really good story. I really like Craven. I mean, she's tall and she moves really fast mm-hmm. and she's pretty athletic. And, and I, you know, I like variety in my wrestling. Mm-hmm. I like, I like different shapes and sizes. And this match was a firm example of that. And I thought they had really good chemistry. There's that one, like, when they're all, I think Craven was on the outside and, like, <laughs> and Lane just super kicked her right in the face. Like, it just looked cool. Like, it just, like, looked perfect. The cell of Craven was, was there. When she registered that kick, I thought it was pretty awesome. And um, I was kind of surprised at the finish. I thought, okay, this, you know, Lane's getting a lot of offense. She's looking good. She's getting popular. And I was expecting the upset. I just figured like she still she'll just get over by losing, but uh, she pulled the upset, and that was kind of cool. I, I like to see her change her look, get away from the Ember Moon look, um, cut the hair, get those extensions shorter or something, because that was very distracting for me when I was watching it. I just got to see this hair flying around, and mm-hmm. and that can potentially be really dangerous, right? I mean, if that with the girl and gets caught in someone's eye, you know, it's it's it's, it's bad news, but. I know in WWE though, there's a lot of extensions that go around. So yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I, I like to see her change her name. I I think she'd be good to take off TV now. You know, she signed a deal. She's doing this tournament. After this tournament's done, you just take her off, kind of revamp her look and maybe her name, and then kind of reintroduce her maybe sometime next year. You know. So the the last match uh, or the main event uh, of the first show was uh, uh, Mako Satamura against Killer Kelly. Now, Killer Kelly, I believe, was in the ROH Women's Tournament, if, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, and, uh, and Satamura is a, a veteran who they showed uh, had a match on on WCW from like back in the, the in the in the you know the prime era of of Monday Nitro um and i think she said she was like 16 years old when she had that match which was kind of crazy i was like wow yeah i mean years that, old. that blew my mind when i saw that clip i mean i remember that match but i didn't even remember i didn't even really realize it was her yeah. you know yeah, which was it was a trip. Yeah, just thinking about that, it was. It was a, I miss those random nitro matches. That was definitely one of those random nitro matches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, Killer Kelly in her video package is talking about her leg kicks. And then at the mm-hmm. very beginning of this match, like Satomura's leg kicks are, are 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 better than Killer Kelly. So I was like, okay, well, maybe <laughs> not so much the leg kicks. But uh, this was a this was a really fun match and. Satamura was like uh, a, a sort of a, like a next level above everybody else. But the problem is, unfortunately, especially for this WWE audience, like I think they said she was 38, uh, but she even looked a little bit older than 38. Um, and she's not like cut 
by the same cloth that they, you know, that they usually have folks. Um, but it's unfortunate because she was pretty badass in this match. Yeah, I think she's there to be that legend presence, that veteran, that, like, I love, like, the nickname, the final boss in Japan, right? Like, yeah. she's, like, what the young women strive to compete against. I thought that was really cool to hear. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I don't really follow too much Joshi yeah. uh, wrestling. I mean, I, I watched a few, a few matches here and there. I handpick and one actually was Io Shirai and uh, Rieko Sadamoto in that match is killer. And I think they think they meet up eventually. So in a tournament, which I hope they get enough time because they'll probably kill it again. Yeah. Um, but like, I like, I like that she's the, the old. I like how she, I like I like that she looks older than all the other girls. I just think she has this really cool presence. She carries herself really well as a legend. And um, I thought Kelly Kelly. I mean, I wasn't really too impressed with her, but I think she kind of got. I think I wasn't too impressed with her during the UK tournament stuff um, that recently aired, uh, like last month, I believe, or two months ago. Um, I remember the the women's matches really didn't stood out to me as much. When, other than the, you know, of course, Shane and Tony, like Tony Storm mm-hmm. stands out, but like the, all the other matches they had in those two shows, when it comes to women, were kind of just like okay, some were not that good, and Killer Kelly wouldn't stand out, but here she looked good, she looked really good against uh, against Bianca, so I, I, I'm, I, I got more, I'm more into her now, Killer Kelly, I, I, I want to see what she can do in the future, um, but yeah, I thought this match was. It's cool that the fans knew who she was and excited. And this this tournament is definitely deeper. They got three really good Japanese wrestlers. Of course, EO being one of them, and one of my my personal favorites of the of the women wrestlers. So I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah. In this tournament, so it's definitely a deeper tournament, and it looks like for the brackets. I didn't watch the bracket bracketology. I kind of wanted to. I know the fin- the finals. I know all that. And I know a couple of things, but I kind of stayed away from spoilers. Like, I, if I, I, I used to be a spoiler guy. I wanted to look at stuff. Now I'm like, I've <laughs> come to like, it's just best. It's kind of just to, just to watch it and let it, let, and without any kind of knowing the results or anything. So like, but I noticed that Mercedes Martinez is wrestling like the match, you know, in the bracket of her. So I figure, Mercedes is probably winning that match. And so that match, Mieko and Mercedes should be pretty, pretty, pretty good. Really good, actually. So I'm, this is going to be a one hell of a tournament. I'm with you about the spoilers because, uh, you know, we, we already kind of know who, who wins it, but I don't really remember how. So I'm just kind of looking yeah. forward to the journey uh, of how we get there. But uh, but yeah, so you know we'll, we'll we'll do this again next week, and we'll watch the second episode and talk about these matches, and and talk about you know who these women are and and what you think of them, and uh, where they could possibly go. So a couple other things before we get out of here, and we'll make these a little bit shorter, because um, I, I want to get your thoughts on a couple different things here. Um, I don't know if you watched Raw or at all or the just the segment, but. What do you think of all this talk about Shawn Michaels all of a sudden coming back and facing The Undertaker? I did not watch any of it. Um, I I saw, I listened to the Observer review on it, and from what it sounds like, sounds like they're trying to get him for the Saudi Arabia show, which is interesting, and which will probably lead to, if he does do that match, I assume he's going to do more, which is a more being a WrestleMania. Right. You know? Um, do I feel like 
oh man, you're going against a retirement dip. Like, I mean, this is pro wrestling. We, I mean, how many guys have come back at a retirement? Plus, it's been like so eight don't years. Really mean as much. Yeah, I don't know if I bet with Dave Dutra still in play because I did bet him five dollars that Shawn Michaels <laughs> would be coming back in wrestling eventually. But I think I think I had a time limit of how many years. I think I'm already past that. Uh, so I cannot collect my five dollars, unfortunately. But Dave Dutra, our good friend Dave Dutra, Double D, one hell of a professional wrestler, idol growing up was Shawn Michaels and Rob Van Dam. He, he doesn't really talk about that too much, but Rob Van Dam is my <laughs> favorite of his. But Shawn Michaels is one of his all-time favorites. And it's, and I remember when it happened, I, I remember he retired, I was like, he's coming back. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude's like, he's not coming back. And I'm like, he's probably coming back eventually. He's going to be at home, away from the road, at home. The wife's nagging at him. Yeah, like, I got to yep, get back yep, out there. Yep. I, I thought that was going to be sooner than later. Apparently, he's having a good time at home. And uh, he's okay, but <laughs> but I mean, shoot, I mean the money that you're, you're hearing about the Saudi Arabia show and what they can offer him, like, do you turn down those paydays? I don't know, you know. But then, like, I don't want to see short hair Sean. I want to see long hair Sean. So throw that <laughs> stuff out before you start uh, getting back in the ring. There, HBK, come on now. So I, I uh. I'm I'm actually okay with him having the match with the Undertaker. For, at first, when when I heard what was happening, I was like, "Oh man! Like we've already seen him face the Undertaker. It's not going to be anywhere near as good as the other the other matches." And mm-hmm. and but like you said, what it opens up is to possibly other stuff. And if that is the case, and we get to see at WrestleMania Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryan, for instance. I think that would mm-hmm. be awesome. AJ. Or Shawn Michaels and AJ, yeah, totally. But, you know, they, they tried to tell that Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryan story a few years ago. When, you remember, uh, I think Daniel Bryan put him in, in, in that yes lock uh, in the ring. Yeah. And, like, I was like, whoa, you know, that, that, that's like a dream match. Uh, and, and, you know, Daniel Bryan is, is so good that any, any step that Shawn may have lost, like, they'll, they'll be able to cover that up very easily like the, the sean is just a master so uh so yeah like I, I at first i was like oh god i you know we don't really need to see that match but then i thought if it does open up to other stuff like sean has like three or four matches that uh that you would consider dream matches which we don't really have in wrestling anymore at least on the wwe side and and so it kind of opens up the possibility of, of these dream matches uh, yet again, so I think that would that would be cool. They tried to do, didn't AJ, AJ was the one that tried to start that rumor for the for the Shawn Michaels match earlier this year, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, if, if HBK does come back, I'm all good with it. I'm all good with it against Undertaker. It won't be as course, and like I said, it won't be as good as those, those those two matches for WrestleMania. But he's such a smart wrestler. Gosh, he, I mean, his he he make. He'd make it great, and um, and Undertaker will play his role perfectly with Sean. Right, he knows how. That's like that'll be easy, no problem. It'd be a good match. Um, but I hope, like, if he does come back into Saudi Arabia and maybe does another match, like, just be at WrestleMania. Don't make it like he wrestled at the Royal Rumble and he does a couple things right, raw. Like, right. Just leave it to like that one match because, like. Make it to where you want to see something. Like make that special moment where you have to watch WrestleMania for it. You know, um, I, I, I'm that's what I'm hoping for. AJ would, would be fantastic opponent for him. I know Daniel Bryan 
would be great too. But him, I think him and AJ would be just so good, so good. And uh, Sean's one of the best. You know, he's all, definitely an all-time great. And um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him back for sure. They need something to add some some extra oomph to their to the WWE. When it, you know, like I said, I don't want it every week or anything like that. But you know, something that can't get you anticipated for like the upcoming WrestleMania would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So um, you know, we've gone a little bit long here, and and I'm gonna skip. Uh, I was just gonna quickly ask you about UFC 228, but I realized like that card is is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's more of like a hardcore UFC fan kind of card. It's, there's not really any casual, I, I don't imagine it's going to do a big buy rate. Um, so we'll skip that mm-hmm. part, uh, because I, I think I will end up recapping it for fightgameblog.com. So I'll, I'll probably recap it on the website, well, but go the ahead. Spin-off, the spinoff of MMA though, I would like to, maybe John LaRocca's match match suggestion segment uh, okay and so I so we're leading the- we're leading into you, you we're, we're thinking on this exact same wavelength because what i was thinking was the last segment of our of our weekly podcast will be what's john watching because you watch a lot of stuff <laughs> that I uh watch too much, that yeah. that you know most people are, are are don't even really know what's on the radar and and I think you know you you know you're you're watching different you know you're watching all Japan you're watching Noah stuff you're watching old school like stuff on YouTube that um, you know people have forgotten about so that 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 was what I wanted to talk about in the ver- in the very last uh, piece of this show which is you know what's something that you're watching that is not kind of you know any anything that's newsworthy or that we're following today just on a news basis but you know something that you found some interest in and and uh, and you know kind of want to talk about yeah i mean i just last night i watched uh even two years out just this, this morning i i watched uh tom lawler and uh jack swagger jake hager from uh mlw fusion tv on youtube and it was a hell of a match man it was like one of my favorite tv matches of the year i mean it's I mean, Tom is really good. I mean, he is, he is fantastic. Like he has it all down the character for the minute he leaves the curtain and then gets into that ring and he has the, and he can back it up in the ring. He's really good. And they had a hell of a match that was very realistic. Um, it's like, you know, I just really enjoyed every minute of that match. I thought, I don't, I, if there was mistakes, I didn't really see much. I did see one moment where look, it looked like, uh, there was, a moment where a swagger actually kind of see him call something to to uh, Lawler, to, and then Lawler locked on a rear naked choke. But it was kind of interesting because, like, he kind of like swagger kind of gave him a back forearm shot, but it was kind of like we just to kind of like it was sped up. They could have slowed that down. But other than that, like, I thought the match was the match was really, really, really good. And um, like I said, one of the better TV matches. I highly, highly, highly recommend. People check it out. MLW Fusion on YouTube. I believe it's episode 20. And just look up uh, Tom Waller versus uh, Jake Hager. And uh, you definitely will not be disappointed with that match. That match was, was awesome. And, like, I like, I don't know what MLW has planned. But, like, for me, like, I would, like, do a series of matches with those guys. Because those guys have really, really, really good chemistry. And Jack Swagger really good. He gives really a strong effort in that ring all the time. And I, you know, I got to work with him in APW a couple shows this year and, and he was a really cool guy backstage, 100% one 
wanted to give his all, and, and he definitely did the mismatch as well, you could tell. And like I said, Tom Lawler, like, he's fantastic. I, I'm, I think he's just such a natural at this. And, like, you know, the, his, like, you know, at the end of the match, like, just his facial expressions, uh, it's just, it's, it's cool. It's cool. And uh, definitely, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite matches this year. I mean, it's not probably going to make any kind of matches of the year list or anything like that. But for me, for just kind of like just kind of like checking it out, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I, I took my time to watch it. And so make yeah. sure you check it out. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on it. So I'll uh, I'll link to it in the in the notes of the show for for folks who uh, who who want to find that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that, that's actually cool because, you know, filthy is is another one that you were kind of in on really early because you knew about his love for pro wrestling. He has the, you know, he's, he's a really good MMA fighter and, you know, there's that crossover that, that is always really interesting for the guys who get it. And, you know, I know you want, you've been wanting to book that guy forever. Yeah. I mean, I always, you know, I always, it's just, just. You know, I, like, just haven't worked out yet for APW. Just, you know, I don't control that, where the money goes when it comes to that, which is cool, you know. But hopefully one day soon, definitely get Tom on an APW card. But, man, if I was running Premier right now, I definitely would be investing in Tom Tom Lawler and pretty high on the card. He's, uh, he, like I see, he's, 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 he's really, really good. And I think we're just talking about, I think Meltzer was talking about how, like, looking into like MMA fighters for, for wrestling. Cause after, you know, the success of like Riddle and yeah. Shayna and, you know, you're hearing great things about Jessamine Duke and Marina and like, and Tom, like, you know, like, I think it's just a good natural progression. You know, if you, if you watch the old stuff with like rings and UWFI and they just pick it up so well. And some are really good. Some, you know, not, not everyone's great, but like, for the most part, they pick up, they they get what they're they get what they're doing, and they they sell that believability, right? So I really enjoy it. So, so yeah, so that's it. So I think what we'll do is we'll do a what's John watching uh, segment to close out every show. Uh, I think we're going to try to do this weekly as much as possible, but you know, life gets in the way sometimes, especially someone uh, like you who has. Uh, two kids under four years old <laughs> it could make it a little bit harder but uh but yeah, yeah. so uh the, 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 you know do you remember uh i don't even know if you if you would remember this because it was like a, maybe like one or two shows but there was this show on i want to say it was like on cbs or something it was called what's alan watching do you remember this vaguely so the only the only reason i even remember this show is because there was a uh, there was an episode and, and maybe it was more show more episodes than just one, but I remember Eddie Murphy was part of it, and you know anything Eddie was doing you know in 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 the late eighties was like like you know the, the guy was the guy was uh, so public, and so he so it was like this I think what what the show was was like this this kid, um, and actually I, I could probably find out. Who who was uh who was in it? Uh Corin uh Corin Nemec. Do you remember him? Yeah, Corin Nemec was uh he had a show on Fox. Um yeah, I forget what the show was called. It was kinda of like a, a kinda of like a wacky comedy. And also he was in up in <laughs> this is a geek geek moment for me, and Stargate uh 
in Stargate series for a short time. Okay, so so this show was Corn Nemec, um, and he uh, he was like watching TV, and like his whole life uh, would w- would just like be on the TV. Like he's like viewing like things on the TV. So the reason why I remember the show is because Eddie Murphy uh, is like a character who. Uh, he just keeps saying something like, uh, I guess James Brown was in jail. And so he does this thing where he's just like, free James Brown, free James Brown. And like, he's like, he's like, has like the little, little, the little sign. And he's like, kind of like in, in, in like, you know, in, in like a a suit. And um, actually he's the producer of the show, which only did one episode and they never, they never picked it up. So it only did a pilot. And and that was it. So oh. can you imagine Eddie Murphy produces a TV show in in uh, 1989, and CBS is like, eh, we're good. So, the, but that's kind of what it was. So when when I thought about like, okay, like what do we do? Like John watches a lot of stuff. I was like, what's John watching? Like that was the thing. So uh, Alan Sepinwall, who's like a TV review writer, his he named his blog "What's Alan Watching" after this TV show. So that's kind of why I thought about it. But yeah, so so we'll do we'll do a "What's John Watching" uh, segment uh, every, every time we do this show because you know you, you you do watch a lot of stuff that I, I imagine not a lot of people are, are paying attention to, and uh, and and hopefully maybe it'll give them a little bit of a. Um, incentive to kind of like you know maybe watch something that they don't they they wouldn't normally watch which is actually kind of cool when it comes to wrestling because you know there's so much stuff out there that if you're a wrestling fan i think you can find something that uh, that you would enjoy even if it's not wwe or the young bucks or or whatever is kind of hot you know exactly all right so uh so we're done here um, and uh, hopefully we'll be back next week, if not uh, very soon thereafter. Uh, just uh, a heads up, I, I am going to try to do a show uh, with Duan and our buddy Robert Silva, who writes about boxing on Fight Game Blog. Uh, I want to do a show with those guys talking about the big fight upcoming uh, na- uh, in, uh, in, in like a little bit over a week, uh, Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez, their second fight, first fight ended in a, in a draw. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that fight and just kind of like the state of boxing today. Um, DAZN, uh, folks know that Matchroom has a, has a deal with DAZN for, about, I think it's 125 million a year or so. And, wow. uh, and, and Fox, uh, just, uh, Fox and Showtime just made a deal with Premier Boxing Champions, and it sounds like combined that deal is is 125 million or more. So lots of stuff uh, going on in boxing. Even though you know there the lack of star power in boxing is actually pretty scary these days, but uh, you know the content is king right now, as as we know from WWE. And uh, and UFC, you know, they not to say that they're hot, super hot, but they but they have content and and you know these companies are bidding against each other to try to get you know to try to get content. So um, yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about that hopefully uh, very soon, and it'll be out on uh, on the Fight Game Blog uh, podcast. So uh, the podcast network. So for John, uh, thanks for hanging out, John. Uh, And this is Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.